This is crazy, but this podcast actually started 30 years ago in a prison cell. I was 19 years old and had just been sentenced to 15 years in prison. I believed I would die in that cell, but at some point there was a shift. A shift that caused me to ask myself, how can I break the cycle? How do I overcome all the setbacks? How do I achieve my hopes and dreams and the life that I deserve? This is a podcast about that shift. This is a podcast about survival. This is a podcast about picking yourself up after life has knocked you down. My name is Ian Humphrey, and this is my podcast, Time to Rise. I am back. Hey, I always struggle. I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, but after my intro, it's like, well, what do I say? (laughs) How do I... How do I start this episode? How do I start this episode off? I, I, I wonder sometimes, am I, am I the only one? All right, I'm going to start this. I'm going to start today's episode off with, with a quote because I feel like it's, it's appropriate. And the quote is, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Do what you love and you will never work a day in your life. First time I heard that, I didn't really understand it. And, and Zig Ziglar said that. But the day I understood it was, well, when I finally found something that I loved, that I that I enjoyed. All right. But let me tell you something. There are so many people I know that are not doing what they love, but they don't do anything about it work-wise. Since my release from prison 25 years ago, yep, I'm gonna mention this probably in every single episode. But I've only held I've held three jobs, and I say that uh, as a from a blessed perspective. Uh, I, one day I'll <laughs> I'll talk about my brief job as, as a house cleaner. <laughs> when I got out of prison, yep, I was willing to do almost anything. Uh, to get my life back on track. And I had a brief stint where I cleaned homes. <laughs> but at least for today, I'm talking about, when I talk about the three jobs I've held, I'm, I want to talk, I'm talking about three jobs where I actually received a W-2. <laughs> uh, one of those was I was a pizza dough master. I worked in a grocery store. <clears throat> and my position today, when I'm not traveling and speaking is I'm the general manager of, of a metal fabrication company. I've been doing that for more than 20 years. Uh, I wasn't always, haven't always been the general manager. I started at the bottom and worked my way up. But here's what I want to talk about today. If you're unhappy on your job, I want to talk about ways, maybe perhaps for you to improve your outlook and by improving your outlook, I think your your attitude automatically uh, improves as well. So if you're struggling getting up and going to a job that maybe you despise, or maybe that's too strong of a word. If if you just don't enjoy going to to work every day, grab a grab a pen, grab a paper, grab your journal because I hope this helps. Uh, <laughs> I I once worked with a guy. And let's call him, let's call him Tom. Tom once shared with me something that I really didn't understand. 
he expressed to me that he didn't he didn't like his supervisor. Okay. He said dealing with this person gave him anxiety, caused him to lose sleep. He told me that he would get up hours before he was supposed to go to work and he would pace pace the floor because he dreaded going to work. I didn't understand this because Tom had had a skill set that he could market. He was an older guy. He had once owned his own business. Uh, and to me, at that time, I was about uh, 25. But I was thinking to myself, how do you allow someone, a man, your supervisor, to cause you so much grief? I thought to myself, this your supervisor is killing you. You know, at 25, I was filled with ideas on what I would do, you know, what I would do if my supervisor ever, 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 ever said some of the things that Tom's supervisor said to him. At 25, I was filled with ideas on how I would not be losing sleep. <laughs> but now, you know, as I've grown, as I've gained wisdom, I, I understand a little bit better. I know that it's not that easy. But as I, I, as I've risen through different, you know, through the company, I was committed to never treating people the way Tom was being treated. You know, here, here I was at the time of our conversation. Here I was, fresh out of prison, on parole, and and I, I felt more freedom than than Tom did. But here's the point I, I think I'm trying to make here is. If I had ever asked Tom, hey, man, hey, you been, you have been locked up, he would have probably said no. If I'd ever said, hey, hey, Tom, have you, you, you ever done time? He would have said no. But hearing his story, working with him, seeing the fear, watching him go through what he went through every single day, it made me think, Tom, Tom is locked up. Tom is doing what I call... You know, I guess Tom is doing what I call Ty. He doing time on the job. He doing time on the job. So I want to ask you if you've ever felt like you were doing time on the job. If you've ever felt locked up, going to work, incarcerated. I, I guess <laughs> I, I read a, a study or report once, and it said that only forty nine percent of the people surveyed in, in the study were happy with their job. So, yep, so 51% were going to a job that they weren't, they weren't happy with or they weren't happy going to. So in my mind, I'm saying, well, that 51%, they, they're, doing, they're doing that time on the job. It's like they're, they're locked up. If they're unhappy, because I don't, yeah, if they're, if they're unhappy, then, then they are locked up. So when... And when I think, I think probably when most people think about being incarcerated or locked up, the picture that comes into their mind, it, it might, it may include a jail cell, or maybe for some of you, it's a striped uniform. You know, people used to wear the striped uniform. <laughs> maybe it's the shackles and, and and chains. But you know, when I talk about doing time on the job, what I'm saying, I guess, is if we're not careful. Then, then the jail cell becomes a cubicle or an office. The uniform can be, you know, suit and tie or whatever uniform it is that, that, that you wear. And the shackles and chains, to me, is it, just the, the fear 
of leaving that place of employment. And that fear is what I believe keeps someone uh, chained or shackled or incarcerated to a job that they that they don't even like. <laughs> I want to ask you, I guess my own quick survey, just answer in your mind, yes or no. Do you, do you, when you clock in to your job, do you, do you watch the, do you, are you a clock watcher? <laughs> Meaning you, you watching the minutes of your workday just drag by kind of like the, the, the way an inmate watches the days, the months or the years of their sentence just kind of drag on. Are you looking over your shoulder for the man? <laughs> AKA your supervisor. Have you adopted a, an attitude of, of negativity? Meaning over the years, you've, you've started to see everything in a negative light. Maybe you see, or it's, I should, it's a question. Do you see your immediate boss as a, as a, as a warden? Maybe you only see when you're being reprimanded, can you approach this person without intimidation to discuss new ideas that, that you might have? Or are you like Tom? I say that in parenthesis, Tom. Are you losing sleep thinking about interacting or going to work every day? And last one, let me ask one more is when you go to work, are you doing just enough to not get fired. If your job's paying you six bucks an hour, yeah, I know that's not much, but I'm just using that as an example. If they're paying you six bucks an hour, you're going to give them five point five ninety five worth of work. You're doing just enough so that you don't get fired. So are you in that 49% that enjoys what you're doing or are you part of that 50, 51% that that's unhappy. Okay. Here's what I know though. The good news is the good news to me is you, you can plan, I guess you can plan and you can execute your own escape. <laughs> my pops, my father escaped out of prison once when I was in high school. <laughs> this fool, he showed up at our house on the lamb. He was on the news that night. I went to school the next day. People asking me, man, was that your father on the news escape from prison? I was like, nope. Like, he looked just like you. <laughs> That's another podcast. But you can plan and, and, and execute your own escape from, from a job that you don't like. Okay, if you're not happy. If you're unhappy, okay, before you leave, before you pack up. It's possible that maybe you don't have to leave. Uh, maybe you just need a change. And I believe that sometimes the change that you're looking for, uh, it, it can arrive simply just by you having a clear vision. And here's what I mean. Using the word, I'm going to use the word vision. What is that? Six. Six letters. So we'll say using the word vision, uh, I'm going to give you maybe six steps, I hope, that could possibly free you from your job or that can give you a new outlook and a new perspective. But I need you to stay tuned 
uh, for the very last one because you don't want to miss that one. <laughs> so let me ask you a question again. Would your workplace improve if you create it or if you have variety in a workplace, if you uh, invested in yourself? What if you stop selling yourself short or, or change your self-talk? What if you ignored the negativity? What if you opened your eyes to new, at, to new opportunities? Or what if you never feared change? How would your outlook change, if, if at all? I feel and I believe that for those of you that are unhappy on your job or even for those of you that just want to look for new ways to kind of spice things up, I think it's worth I think it's worth it to give these things that I'm going to talk about today. I think it's worth it to give it a shot. So let's 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 get busy. <laughs> have you ever or do you have variety in your work in your workplace? Because monotony, monotony is something that can cause burnout. Oftentimes, I believe we are, we become unhappy because we've, we've been doing the same thing year after year uh, and we're just tired. But I believe, you know, creating variety just maybe by changing the way you're, maybe you can, maybe you can create variety or just by changing maybe the way your work, your workspace looks or the way that it feels. I've done this you know, kind of give your cubicle or your office, give it a makeover, rearrange the furniture or, you know, find, you know, take all those old paintings and and replace them. Find some that kind of give you inspiration and put it someplace, maybe change the location of it where you, you can see it every single day. I can remember looking up at the pictures of my kids on the office wall and they were still 10 years old <laughs> in the photos. But in real life, they were, you know, oldest might was 17. I needed to replace those outdated family pictures on my desk with new updated ones. Uh, kind of like a remodel. So break the monotony. You can break, you can break the monotony maybe uh, of doing the same thing every day by, uh, you know, I don't know. Go find a new spot to go to lunch. I know people that go to the same spot for lunch every single day. Switch it up a little bit. Now, this might sound crazy, but you know, if you have a supervisor that that you can relate to or that you can go to, let them know. Maybe there's something you always wanted to learn how to do. You know, learning. Learning new things can, can spark new interests in, in your workplace and give you something to look forward to. You know, I believe in Tom's case, Tom, he could have maybe transferred to a new division. I know he loved his job, but he did not like his supervisor. So transferring to a new division possibly gives you, you know, gives you a new, new perspective. Next one is investing in yourself. Look for new ways to add value to yourself. I've I found and attended sales courses, seminars, retreats, online courses. Uh, my belief is you should be able to suggest these things at work and your place of business 
wherever it is that you work, they should be open to them. If you're bringing them these ideas that will improve, it will improve your outlook, improve your skill set, and ultimately improve the bottom line, then then I, that business should be open to it. Uh, my wife, she's a counselor, and she, you know, she ended up going back to school uh, to get her bachelor's degree and her master's degree. And this is after we had four kids. Was it stressful? <laughs> Did she have days where she wanted to quit? Did it require me stepping my game up as a father just so she could study, read, and, and do what she needed to do? Yep, absolutely. But it took her out of a position that she liked and it placed her in a position uh, that she loves. So I had somebody tell me once, <laughs> they said, computers are taking over everything. And then they gave me examples. Computers taking over trucking and robots and automation. And uh, the list, I forget what else they said, but my response was, well, what if you learn to work on those computers and those robots? And their response was, oh man, I'm, I'm too old for that. But you know, I was thinking about that. If the writing is on the wall and you can see change coming, why not take action? Are there classes available that can teach you new, new ways to do what you're currently doing or classes on maintaining new systems that you know are coming? Maybe it'll, it might require financial investment, but maybe your job will reimburse you. You never know. You never know. Until you ask. There's books you can purchase. There's videos. Every morning I watch YouTube videos on different things. Uh, but you got to find what works for you. Find a way to invest in yourself. As I said earlier, you know, this adds value to you. And, and it cannot be taken away. And it cannot be ignored. Whether you stay in at your current job or whether you leave. You, you take that knowledge with you. But I believe learning new things and uh, documenting them and taking courses can possibly, you know, parole you, I guess, from from a current position or or rate of pay can even increase you, you know, increase how much you get paid every year. All right. Next one. I'm breezing through these <laughs> is uh, stop selling yourself short. This is a two part. Stop selling yourself short and 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 monitor your self-talk. You know, the guy that was in my office, he said, man, he said, I'm too old for that. To me, the, he was selling himself short. You know, believing that maybe he's unable to learn something new before he had even given it a try. So, you know, to me, I don't believe people should stay, I guess, locked into a position because you sold yourself short. My philosophy is what I don't know, I can learn. So real quick, I, if you write that down or just repeat after me, what I don't know, I can learn. <laughs> That's right. What I don't know, I can learn. And that leads me to the second part of, of, of I guess, the S, which is self-talk. We have to monitor our self-talk. You know, something that I know and I believe is, is one negative thought can lead to another. And before you know it, whole ship done went down. <laughs> you 
you know, when you find yourself down at work or let's say you find yourself upset or, you know, you you get up and you recognize that you're upset or you're in a bad place because you're going to a job that you don't want to be at. Maybe try to change your change your self-talk. You know, when the alarm goes off, make it make a conscious effort to smile. Or every time if you pass when you pass a mirror, make make a point to stop just for a second and look yourself, look at yourself and smile. I got I have three daughters. And I'm gonna tell you something, they cannot walk by a mirror without looking at how good they look. <laughs> so look at your reflection, smile and uh, and, and, and think to yourself, dang, you, you, you looking good and, and get on out the door and head to work, you know? So I'm daring you to try this and see what it does to your attitude. As you're heading into your place of work to yourself, it's today's going to be a great day. It's a great day to be alive. You know, tell yourself it's today is going to be an awesome, an awesome day. And I believe that no matter how you, you know, you know how your day started, how it began, just by changing your self-talk, you can oftentimes, you can change your outlook, you know. After about a week or so, a good attitude of practicing that can become a habit, and oftentimes, the little things that bothered you before will bother you a lot less, all right? Next one, and this is one that we struggle with it's oftentimes. Ignoring negativity, ignore the negative. Yep. I'm a big believer that you have to ignore negativity. Why? It's contagious. <laughs> and tell me this, negative people are always, negative people are always looking for recruits. They're always looking for teammates. They do not like to be alone. And if you're giving off a certain vibe, well, you might end up the number one draft pick. You know, here they come. Something that I often say about negativity when I'm giving talks to workplaces or businesses is, you know, we've all, as kids, you know, you work with glitter. So I like to say negativity is like getting glitter on your hand. You, know, you work with glitter or you do a project, you wash the glitter off your hands. Next day, you, you still see a little piece of glitter someplace that you swore you had gotten it off. To me, negativity is like getting, it's like getting Velcro stuck in your afro. <laughs> if you never had an afro, maybe it's like getting gum stuck in your bangs. I can remember kids in school getting gum stuck in their bangs. But my point is, once negativity is in there, it's hard to get out. So you want to ignore negative people and surround yourself with people that still enjoy what they do. You know, I'm watching this show called uh, Abbott Elementary. I can't remember the new teacher's name, but she's positive And, uh, you know, she tries to ignore all of the negativity. She's almost blind to it and it's happening all around her. But if she's not careful, 
If she continues to eat lunch in a room that's filled with negativity, eventually it will find a crack in her armor. <laughs> if you've not watched that show, Abbott Elementary, please, yeah, check that out. It's pretty, it's pretty good. But I guess my point is, you know, when it comes to ignoring the negative, sometimes you want to find that new employee that's still excited uh, about, about the job. And instead of rolling up on that person and telling them everything that's wrong with your job or everything that's wrong with the company, maybe listen to their enthusiasm and, and feed off of it. Find out what their ideas are. And maybe, I don't know, maybe, just maybe, you'll find that you know, just hanging out with this particular person or surrounding yourself with positive people, you, you start to feed off of their energy. Maybe you'll start to come up with new innovative ideas or you start to see positive things that your job has to offer that you didn't see. But what I know is surrounding yourself with negative people is going to do just the opposite. Surrounding yourself with negative people, with them in your ear every day, you'll start to see everything that's wrong. And then what? Then your attitude follows suit. Your attitude starts to mirror that. Uh, of the negative person or people that you've chose chosen to to surround yourself with every day. So steer clear and and uh, and simply ignore the negative. Very simple. Ignore the negative. Next one is the da, da, da. oh oh open your eyes. Keep your eyes open. You got to keep your eyes open to new opportunity. I mean, employees, or I believe sometimes employees or people <clears throat> find themselves locked up on the job. They've closed their eyes to many of the opportunities that, that exist, you know. For example, uh, you know, a uh, supervisor announces that there's going to be an opening for a, a senior level position or an another position uh, put in for. I worked at, when I worked at the grocery store. Uh, an opening came. I, I used to bag groceries <laughs> and an opening came uh, available in the deli. Now, I didn't have the most seniority at the time, but because of some things that I had done and because people at the company liked me, I always did more than what I was paid to do. Uh, I saw it as an opportunity. And even though part of me felt like you're not going to get the position, I put in for it anyway. My eyes are open. I gave it a shot. And guess what? Your boy got the position. <laughs> and I believe like a $3 raise. <laughs> so had my eyes been closed to opportunity, I would not have seen it. If I had listened to that inner voice that said, hey, you don't even have enough time on the job, I would not have applied for it and I would not have gotten that position. So keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open to opportunity. All right. And here's the last one. Let's see how much time we got. Here's the last one. Is, and I believe this one is, is the most important. Okay. Write this down. Never fear change. I'm going to share a quick story uh, that I read a couple of days ago. Hopefully I don't butcher this. 
for the father said to his daughter, uh, he says, you know, you just graduated. And he takes her into the shed or the garage and he shows her this car that he had bought a long time ago. And he said, hey, it's, you know, it's quite a few years old, but he says, before I give it to you, take this car to a dealer or take it to a company uh, and, and try to sell it, see how much they offer you. Star comes back to her father and she says, uh, you know, they offered me a hundred or a thousand bucks just because it looks, it looks pretty old. It's covered in dust. Father says, well, hold on to it and maybe take it to another car dealer. Maybe take it to a second hand car dealer or to a second lot. Daughter comes back and she says that, you know, the secondhand car dealer, they only want to give me $500 for it because it looks old and it needs a lot of work. And so that's all they offer. Doctor or the father tells her one, one more time. He says, well, why don't you take it to or find a car club and see what they say when you show them the car. Daughter sends the car, joins a car group or sends the picture of the car to a car group, car club. And she goes back to her father. He says, well, what did the, what did the car club say? And she says, the people in the car club offered me a hundred thousand dollars pops. They said it's a very rare car, but it's in decent condition. And, and it has a, it's very difficult to find. And the father says, <laughs> he says something like, you know what? That's my point. He says, I wanted to let you know that you're not worth anything if you're not in the right place. He said, you knew we needed to just take the car to the right place to really understand or find or see its true value. He said, if you're not appreciated, don't be angry. Don't be upset. Just means you're in the wrong place. And he said, don't ever stay in a place where no one sees your value. And to me, to me, that sums up the last point is never fear change. Never fear change. I need you to write that down. When I asked you earlier if if you felt or if you've ever, if you feel like you're locked up on the job, maybe you've tried some of the things that, that I've mentioned today and then some. And at the end of the day, you, you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm still unhappy here. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible that you've overstayed your welcome. It's possible that, well, maybe you should have left a long time ago. But maybe you've normalized the dysfunction. Maybe, for, maybe you've normalized the discomfort. But I want you to hear me when I say this. Never stay because you fear change. Never stay because you're afraid of starting over or because starting something new makes you uncomfortable. Men come back. I watch men come back to prison because they were afraid. 
They struggle with change and they struggle with the unknown. I watch men get approved for parole and do things that would jeopardize or put them, put that, put their release, their early release in jeopardy. Why? Because they were, they were afraid. Sometimes it's easier to just keep doing what, what we know, even if it's not the best situation. So I want to wrap up with this. Tom. Tom eventually changed departments and he was the happiest that I'd ever seen him. <laughs> uh, you know, he's probably, I don't know, he's probably retired by now. But I guess one of my point is, if you're undervalued, if you're not appreciated, if your mental health is in jeopardy, nothing is worth that. If you have to leave, Leave. Escape like my pops did. <laughs> because no workplace should feel like a prison. All right. That's all I've got. I've given you the I've given you the keys, some of the keys to the handcuffs. So I want to thank you for listening. And no matter how many times life knocks you down, I hope that these messages or these podcasts, I hope that they serve as a reminder that it's time to rise. My name is Ian Humphrey. I don't care if you remember my name as long as you remember my message. Thanks for rocking with me.